Many years ago now, I went on what was called a food run with the Adopt-A-Native Elder Group to the Navajo Indian Reservation down in the Four Corners area, you know, where uh, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, and Colorado meet. Really, you know, I don't think the term reservation says what the area is, as well as the word nation. I went to the Navajo Nation, and really that's what it is, a sovereign nation, another country, if you will, within the borders of the United States. And I was <clears throat> amazed to see it, a third world country within our own borders. Many of the people there live as they have for hundreds of years without electricity and running water at the end of long dirt roads far from hospitals and schools. Many of the elders, though their numbers are dwindling, still speak no English. But their children and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren do speak English, and many are very wise in the ways of the white man, the Western world, I should say. One such person is our guest on this Let's Go Eat show. His name is Mark Merryboy. Mark, I think you'll see, knows the ways of the white man very well. He still has strong roots in the old ways, the long traditions of his people, the Navajos. But Mark is one of the founding members of a group who seek to preserve an area of southern Utah called the Bears Ears. We talk about why it's important to preserve that land, not only for the Native American people, but for all of us. Mark's story about going from living in a Hogan for most of his childhood to becoming a San Juan County Commissioner is a great story, too. Thanks to Tim Peterson of the Grand Canyon Trust for taking some photos during the interview and for hooking me up with Mr. Maryboy in the first place. Thanks also to Gavin Noyes, Executive Director of the Utah Diné Bikea, for his help. Also to the staff and servers at the Club and Cafe of 50 West, where we ate lunch and recorded this interview. Thanks also to Dylan Allred for putting this together. And remember to like us on Facebook and Twitter and Stitcher and all that other stuff. Uh, I also a few weeks ago recorded an interview in Moab, Utah at the Moab Brewery with another Navajo man regarding the Bears Ears. His name is Jonah Yellowman. He's a tribal medicine man and he has a lot to say about the spiritual side of this story. And we'll include that shorter interview with this download if you want to know more. And if you want to help save this land, the Bears Ears, go to protectbearsears.org. There's a lot of information there and a petition you can sign. All right, now here, here it is, my interview with Mark Maricoy. Well, <clears throat> I don't know where to begin, sitting across the table here at 50 West with uh, Mark Maraboy, and um, Mr. Maraboy is... Um, a, uh, a Native American Navajo man who was a four-time county commissioner in San Juan County. And uh, he's also, let's see, I want to say you are also a member of the Navajo Nations Council, right? A delegate for four terms of that. Does that run concurrently at the same time as the county commission? Uh, for uh, three terms. Three terms, right. Yeah. And uh, we're here to talk about, uh, specifically about the Bears Ears National Monument that some people are hopeful, many people are hopeful, will be uh, designated by President Obama before he leaves office, or perhaps by his successor, who knows. But uh, let's talk a little bit, Just let's just start with, explain to people what the Bears Ears is, if you would. And thanks for being with us, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate uh, you having me on your talk show, you might say. 
Shashja means spares years. It's been there from the beginning of time, and it will always be there, regardless of the national monument, national conservation, whatever name you give it. Mm-hmm. It's a land, an area where Native Americans, Hopis, Utes, Pablos, Navajos, lived there for a long, long time, thousands of years. It's a sacred place to the Navajos, where our first leader of the Navajo Nation was born, Chief Manuelito. He was my grandfather. Hmm. And stories have been handed down in our family how it was to live there on Bear's Ears. And up to the recent times... Uh, my father used to work in the uranium mines and we used to live Ellen Canyon, White Canyon, Fright Canyon and places like that. So we're very, very familiar. And When you say you used to live in those areas, uh, those canyons that names are, where, 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 what maybe towns are they located near? Most of these um, areas that I'm talking about are directly west of Blanding, Utah, about maybe um, 10, 15, 20 miles away, and some are northwest of uh, Blanding or directly west of uh, Monticello, Utah, and right... uh, south of um, Moab, Utah. So the towns that we're uh, identifying that surrounds this area is Bluff, Monticello, Blanding, and Moab. But you say you grew up in these little canyons when your dad... And I read, so, I think, in Wikipedia or something, did you, re- you grew up in a Hogan? I was born and raised on the south side of the San Juan River, uh, south of Bluff, Utah. I lived there up till the day I graduated from high school. And all my life I live in uh, a Hogan. So, yes. No running water? No running water. We uh, haul wood and water uh, to keep the house warm and haul water to cook and... Mm-hmm. Wash with, and the 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 opening of the Hogan facing the east always is that always right? yeah. always, hmm. and so you grew up there and you all through high school. But then you went off and went to uh, university, University of Utah. Well, like I was saying, uh, we live in a very isolated community. My next door neighbor was about ten miles away, and. My mom and dad, both of them, didn't speak uh, English, but my dad, for employment, traveled for a while. He worked for the Union Pacific. Uh, He used to talk about Omaha, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. Salinas, California, uh, Oregon, uh, Barstow, California, and San Francisco, 
And he used to talk about how it was like to live in the rail, in the train and work on the railroad. Mm. And so he had some experience being out in the world. And during the time we were growing up, his greatest um, teaching was you have to learn how to speak English and learn how to write in the English way. That is the key to succeed in life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, it's always going to be a struggle. If you can know those things and if you can learn your mathematics, you can go to Omaha and run a business there and survive. <laughs> That's what he used to say. You can go to Omaha. <laughs> well, that was probably the biggest city he'd ever seen, right? I think so. Yeah. And Pendleton, Oregon, he used to talk about, mm -hmm. where they made real nice blankets, Pendleton blankets. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And all these things he talked about, and we just wonder where things were. Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during the time when I was growing up, uh, it was in the 60s. Vietnam War broke out. Two of my brothers were in Vietnam. And I, um, <clears throat> I also had an opportunity to, to go to war in 1974. Uh, I got a draft notice, spoke to my dad, and he told me, we already have two people serving in the military. What you should do is go to a university. I asked. I've never been away from Bluff, Utah. He says, you should go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> go to school there. Learn, learn to be a, <clears throat> a professional person. Just like your cousin, Clyde Benali, he says. <laughs> what did Clyde do? <laughs> he was a social worker. A social worker. Used to wear a tie and a suit uh, on the reservation, and people admired him. And he told me that Clyde doesn't have to work in the ditches and clean toilet bowls and stuff like that. He's an honorable man. You should do that. And he says, you should go to university and then don't come home. Did you like school before you went to the university? Did you like going, I always, going to high school? And I always enjoyed school. Um, but for some reason, <clears throat> I could not have enough of education because I walked to school, long ways from school. So I've always just went home, and I took a lot of books home. I did a lot of reading at home, so you, yes, I, I enjoyed school, mm -hmm. so um, when my dad talked about that, I could identify myself reading a book somewhere in a room. So my dad says, when you're done with university, what you need to do is go to work, work with the white people. He says, white people are different from Navajos. Look at them. When you talk to a white person, what they do is they look directly into your eyes. And us Navajos, we don't do that. And you need to learn stuff like that. Spend some time with those people. Why is that? Do you know? He was telling me that Native Americans, most of them are afraid of white people. That's, that's the only reason, really, that they would not look right at you? Yeah. 
And the other thing is they get intimidated. And a lot of pe- a lot of time, they believe everything a white person says. My dad says, you need to work with them and learn that there's this BS in you most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> learn that a lot of the things they're saying are bullshit. <laughs> you can say bullshit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't have to say BS. <laughs> So did it scare you the prospect of going away from home and going to university, or did you like that idea? You know, like I said, I've never been away from home, so it was exciting time for me, just not knowing what lies ahead of me. And when the day came, my dad took me to the bus depot in Monticello. He says, what you're going to do is ride the bus to Salt Lake City from there when you get off the bus, catch a taxi cab to your school, sign up, and then go to school. So, okay, that's how it started. I rode the bus all the way to Salt Lake. Yeah. And when I came to Salt Lake, I didn't know how to catch a uh, taxi cab. I've seen the movie where one of those guys would just say taxi, and then yeah. 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 But it, was, it wasn't it was like that. I stood by the highway. Nobody came no by. Taxis. And so I had to look for a taxi cab to take a ride up to the university. Got 18 years old, 17 years old, 18 years old. Barely 17. Just a kid. A Just kid a kid. That li- has not lived in a, the biggest city you've seen is Cedar City or? Blanding. Blanding is the biggest city you've seen. And here you are in Salt Lake City. Man. When I got here, it was a, a culture shock. I, I guess. Mean, it was a huge, big building. So at the time I look at the building, it looks like it's going to fall with those guys moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when a reality hit me. I was away from home. I ain't going back. I got to survive somehow. Yeah. The best I could do is just set up and go to school. So you had you have, you have some scholarship money, uh, some grant money, and... Uh, somebody, somebody helped you, help you find some place to live, and all of that was. Uh, I'd done my work before I came up. I um, make sure that uh, I don't screw up when I come up here. Mm-hmm. So I asked a lot of questions, made sure I had a room and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. I signed up for my class. So I, um, I was in sync. I was in the groove mm-hmm. when I got there, and um, all I did was show up. Uh, my dad made it easy. You go to school and you um, make sure you graduate from there. Have any idea what you wanted to study? I don't know what to study. And he didn't know what to study. He thought you'd just go there and uh, I don't know. Just learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just go there and they'll teach you and then they'll send you away. So I met with a counselor at the university and he says, what do you want to study? Uh, I said, I'll just uh, like to study history. I enjoy history. Hmm. I like to know what happened in the past. And he just told me, these are the classes that you need to take. And then he says, do you want to study um, Latin American history, European history, American history? Um, the first thing that hit me was I took some history classes at, in high school. Sure. Uh, American history is too painful, the way Native Americans were treated, the way their lands were taken away. So I said, European history. It was better watching, as I said, uh, 
watching uh, Robespierre get his head chopped off. So I, the reason why I wanted to study history was I wanted to see how European build up a lot of things that we have, policies. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that. The only thing that I um, noticed when I was going to school was my reading level, my writing was not there. Mm. It was really hard to organize my thoughts and put it on a piece of paper. So it was a struggle. It wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. At one point, I thought I should quit. I should just go downtown and get a job and work somewhere. But what my mom, my dad told me was very powerful. Yeah. I have to stay here and and um, <clears throat> and just, you, just just hang in there and finish. You made and you did, and you made you made some friends, and I made a lot of friends. Yeah. I made a lot of friends, and I knew a lot of people, and I got along with people very well. Mm-hmm. So I graduated, and my minor was economics, and when I graduated, I. Um, went to work for Kmart as a department manager for menswear. Here in Salt Lake? Here in Salt Lake. I did really well. I worked with people very well. And one day I was promoted to district manager. So I went to Wyoming and trained some managers to be new managers in the area of bookkeeping, (laughs) merchandising, public relations, uh, merchandising and stuff like that. I enjoyed doing that. Just uh, making good money and then one day my dad says... Did you get? A, did you start a family anytime in there? I met a girl yeah, uh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. And then uh, I had a girlfriend and my mom was concerned about me. <laughs> of course she was. She says, I think you want to uh, end up marrying a white woman or a Mexican woman or... Uh. A color later, she says, you should marry a Navajo. She didn't want you marrying outside of the tribe. Yeah. yeah. And so I um, had a lot of respect for my mom, so I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I have a, Navajo, a, good a Navajo girl that was uh, going to school at the university, and uh, she had her uh, master's degree uh, in psychology. Oh. And... Um, she became your wife? She became my wife, and she's my wife today. <laughs> Good for you. And uh, kids and all of that? I only have one child. One child? She uh, just recently graduated from uh, college at um, Fort Lewis College. What she study? She studied uh, cellular macular biology, and she works in the la- laboratory at the uh, hospital. She's married, so she's... Um, Is your dad still around? My dad died when I graduated from the university. So he saw you graduate. Yeah. yeah. And my my mom basically told, took over and told me, you need to come home. Now is the time for you to come home so you could be the leader of the Navajo Nation or <clears throat> take any elected position. So in 1975, I was the first Native American ever elected 
to an office of a San Juan County Commissioner. Now, did your your wife obviously went with you? Where was she from? I was wondering how she felt about going back to live in a small place. And She uh, had the same philosophy as I did. I think that's why we got along Good. so well. Oh, yeah. And... Very smart lady, so she. when I went back home, she went back home, and we got married. She's from, where is she from originally? She is uh, from Red Mesa, Utah, mm-hmm. right by the border, Arizona-Utah borderline. Mm-hmm. So, so now you get involved in politics. Uh, politics in the, in the white man's world, because county commission... Were you the first uh, elected Navajo in the state of Utah, or the first elected Native American in the state of Utah? Yes, I was. And, you know, I just read about public office here and there when I was going to school. Uh, Took some uh, political science class, but those were class. Actually doing it is quite an experience, I'll tell you. And I think it would have been easy if I was a county commissioner like in Grand County or Daggett County or some other county. But in San Juan County, we had a real bully that was a county commissioner. And he was a real dictator. He dictated everything that we did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say anything for a year. I just kind of went along with everything. Was that Cal Black? That was Commissioner Black, yes. Calvin Black. I remember that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he still around? He died uh, a long time ago, I think, in 1990 uh, or something like but that. He was, he was pretty, he ruled that San Juan County with a iron fist, didn't he? He sure did. So you go down, you, so who, who the hell is Mark Maryboy to think he can run for county commissioner, some, some Native American guy? They, uh, they've got all white men down there running the county. What made you think you could win? You know, um, when I, um, before I became a county commissioner, Navajos talk about white men's government and how they ran the show. And they talked about who should be in that position, the kind of person that can roll with the punches. And... They said, you're a young guy. You can roll with the punch. You're somebody that can't sell out to the people. So with that mentality, I went in there. I was ready. I was ready to mano y mano, mano y mano with go, anybody. Go, ahead, go head, to, mm-hmm. head to toe, face to face with mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. And how did you get elected? Because who... Do, do the Navajo people vote down there in those elections? There's a, a long-standing issue of uh, redistricting in San Juan County. Uh, prior to my election, there was a lawsuit between San Juan County and the U.S. government. Uh, the population in San Juan County, there's more Navajos than the white population. So for that reason, a new district was created. Uh, district 3, a majority of the people in that district are Navajos. That gave me an opportunity to run for county commissioner, and that's how I was elected. Because they, they, they came out, there's one of our, would they, did they normally just not vote? 
Uh, normally, in the past, uh, Native Americans never uh, really participated in the yeah. voting system. It was just recently they become aware of uh, county government and other types of government. Yeah, and uh, and so Mark Mariboy comes and runs, and pl- you plaster your face all over town with the uh, posters, and you go visit people, and uh, there's uh, a, we don't call town; they're called chapters. And I covered six chapters, and I went to those chapters, and, you know, chapter meetings are very popular. Usually you let's get exp- about... Let's explain to people, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, let's explain to people what chapters are in the Navajo Nation. Well, Navajo Nation is a, a huge area, in our opinion, 18 million acres, and Navajo Nation government is comprised of... 110 chapters, Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. In Utah, there's six chapters, and the Navajo Nation government is kind of set up like the U.S. government. It has a president, judicial, legislative branch. So on the on the Utah side, there's these six chapters, and they're held their meeting, two meetings a month. One is called planning meeting. That's when they prepare the agenda. And then the regular meeting, that's when they have um, <clears throat> a meeting to discuss the items on the agenda. Mm-hmm. And that's when they invite all the politicians, whoever's running. And I went to those chapters, and I announced that I was running for a political office and asked for the people to vote for me. Did they say you were crazy? <laughs> Most of the people at the time when I ran were not familiar with the county government. They just said, that's a county government, a white man's government. If you want to, you can try it, and it'd be interesting to see how it works. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> sure. What, Mark, if you want to do that, go ahead. Yes. Just go ahead. Exactly. We'll vote for you just to, so you can see how it is. Exactly. That's pretty interesting uh, because the be, a, 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 it's hard for people, I think, to understand sometimes that the Navajo Nation... And there are other uh, Native American nations or groups. You are, that is a sovereign government within the United States. It's not, it's not really part of the United States, is it? No, it's not. It's a treaty, uh, a treaty tribe. It's uh, a nation with a nation, you might say. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's its own nation within the United States, and people I think have a hard time grasping that. What do you mean there's another country in America? But I, there is. I, uh, w- with Navajos, it, it's uh, very awkward to the Navajos. I'll say it's awkward. Very awkward because uh, to them, Salt Lake City is their country. This is their homeland. Or when they go to Nevada, Las Vegas. And to be confined on the reservation and say, this is your land right here. No, we live everywhere. We're Native Americans. Oregon is our land out there, too. Yeah. So being a uh, Native American, that's a a difficult issue to deal with. That's a difficult way to live. Yes. I, it, that all that almost brings us naturally back again to start talking about the bear's ears but i'm i'm also f- i'm really fascinated with your just your story as well just 
being a county commissioner and what it was like for 16, 16 years. Is it four-year terms, four four-year terms? 16 yes. years of, uh, of, of you, you must have just been arguing day in and day out. I don't think there was a meeting when I uh, had a real comfortable, a green kind of uh, meeting. Every issue that I presented to the county commissioners were controversial. County commissioners did not want to blade the road. They did not want to provide uh, public safety, libraries, and issues like that. It was always uh, a debate. At one point, we had uh, the media attending our county commissioners every evening or every morning when Cal Black and I went uh, blow went to blows. Did you ever uh, <laughs> so you and Cal Black just just classic white old white guy and Native American <laughs> fighting it out in the county commission. Um, did did you ever um, come to any kind of agreement with Cal Black in the whole time you were uh, commissioner? I think before he died, uh, he um, <clears throat> came to the commissioner's meeting, and I knew he was going, and he knew he was going, and we uh, could have just uh, said some nice, nice things to each other, and that's about it. That was the first time and the last time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you learned, you you learned a lot. I you said from that first day when they, when when your tribe members said, "Well, go go see how it works." Go, you learned a lot, uh, and at the same time, then you also were a part of the um, a part of your of, of the Navajo Nation government as well. What position were you with them? Well, being on a commissioner, uh, it was a tremendous experience. It uh, taught me a lot. I think it changed my disposition, my feelings about a lot of things. So when I got on the Navajo Nation Council, it was easy. Mm. I um, was the chairman of the Navajo Nation uh, budget budget and finance chairman, and I was also the chairman of transportation and community development. I had a responsibility to oversee a billion dollars of the Navajo Nation funding source. A lot of people don't know, probably, too, that the Navajo Nation, there's a lot of money involved. I mean, that you, you are a wealthy tribe, really. Navajo Nation, in my opinion is probably more wealthier than Japan. If you look at all of the resource, the water, the minerals that lies in the ground on the Navajo Nation, and also the manpower. And I think if the Navajo Nations should get it right someday, the young people, it's going to be a very strong, powerful nation, very competitive in my opinion. That's, a, that's an interesting thought, a, co- a competitive nation within the borders of the United States. Yes. I mean, you're talking resources, too. I mean, you've the, they have coal resources and uh, uh, minerals and mining and all kinds of, you know. So, the reason why I say that is today I run my business, and it's easy. 
uh, Navajo can just reach out to any corporate business if they know how to partner and begin to build a strong economy on the Navajo Nation, which can also benefit the 50 states across across our country. How do you feel about the idea of assimilation? And you know what I'm talking about. We find cultures who come here, uh, they gradually assimilate and they all become kind of part of the white culture and... um, Talk about that in terms of the Navajo. Assimilation is good, in my opinion, at the right time. Assimilation has been tried with various tribes in the past. If people do not understand the concept, then you get a lot of resistance. That's what happened in the past. I think most Native Americans were not ready in the past, but in the future, I think that would that might work. However, uh, looking at other nations like Mexico, Spain, uh, they were able to do that. So that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just hate to see cultures lose their cultural identity when that assimilation becomes more and more. I mean, I, it makes me feel kind of bad to see that there are. Um, uh, Mexican people here whose parents, their parents speak Spanish, but the kids don't know. None of them speak Spanish. Uh, and I, I'm sure it's the same thing in the Navajo Nation. There are elders who speak the language in there, but there are probably kids who don't know it. Very true. Very true. Nation, Navajo Nation is losing their uh, language and their culture. It's all about economics. If you want a good job, Make sure that you have a fluent um, English language to succeed and work somewhere. And at the same time, uh, Native American, Navajo culture and language is very important. A lot of us were were told, They've said, never ever lose your culture and your language. And the bear's ears part of that, certainly. Bears Ears is uh, seen as a healing a healing process. Navajos were removed and other tribes were moved from certain lands forcibly. So Bears Ears, if it should become a monument, that should um, create a lot of pride, instill a lot of um, motivation to retain culture, language, and the spiritual um, existence on Mother Earth. You know, I talked to you to uh, a colleague of yours or a, a friend of yours, Jonah Yellow, Yellow Man, Yellow Man, and uh, he talked about all of the spiritual aspects of Bear's Ears and he said one thing that was just really uh, remarkable to me. He said, when we walk on that land, there are places where we know not to walk because we would be walking on the bones of our ancestors. And he said, you know, I just, I just thought, ha. He, he said, and there are no monuments there. There are no obvious signs, but just 
having passed it down from generation to generation. He tried to explain to me how that works, and it's 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 all. You said something about done in fours and about how it's all done in fours or something. I don't know, but you know, walking on the bones of the ancestors, we just don't walk there. And there's so much of that in that that area called the Bears Ears, isn't there? Five years ago, a lot of people like Jonah, medicine people, were saying that. So what I did was I went and sat down with people, Navajo elders that have deep, deep knowledge of the land, and asked them what they know about what Jonah's telling me, what Jonah's telling you. I wrote a book. You wrote a book. I wrote a book. It's called the Nebuchadnezzar, and that became our foundation the foundation of this entire uh, Bears Ears initiative. And in that book, elders talk about areas where you're not supposed to work, walk, and areas where the sunlight does not hit certain area hmm. and where certain wind lives and where... Where certain wind lives. Yeah, female and male wind where you worship them and where you go to do listening, stargazing, crystal gazing, and where the eagles, uh, the eagles uh, land to collect uh, feathers and all of that stuff. And they mention the different types of plant that's on bear's ears, what those plants are used for. And tools. So that became the foundation of our work on this Bears Ears uh, project. Uh, so th- that really started the whole movement to get this area preserved. Who, the idea of it being a national monument, that didn't just that didn't just start as a national... How did it grow into that? Well, initially, it was uh, Senator Bennett working on it. Wallace uh, Bennett, who just, uh, the, one, the guy who just retired a couple of years ago? He's the guy that lost to uh, Senator Mike Lee. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, Wallace. Uh, Bob Bennett, yeah, his dad was Wallace. Yeah, Bob Bennett. Yeah. I never uh, met Wallace, but uh, Bob. I'm... And so he, he was working on it, and he... And he uh, he was uh, in support of this idea. He um, was working on it, and actually, uh, nobody invited us. It was just the county government and other people, and we just basically invited ourselves to be part of this whole concept because uh, it was. Uh, they were talking about a land where Navajos used to live. And we asked Bob Bob Bennett, we want to be part of this uh, land planning process. And he said, sure. That's when we said, we got to have something that's concrete, something that has substance. We can't just be going over there and say, protect this land. Mm -hmm. We got to put a plan together. That's when we began uh, planning. And based on our interviews, based on the book, the boundary was drawn 1.9 million acres 
That's how it came to be. Uh, Dene Bekea, the book, is that, is it in English, is it written in English? It's written in English and Navajo. So I can go find that book yeah. and read it. Yes. Like uh, probably uh, uh, my good friend up there, Ken Sanders, probably has a. He probably has a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a small book. It's, it's not a big book, so you'll enjoy it. I'll go get one. Uh, mm-hmm. Ken would be the guy to talk to about that, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably has a thousand of them. <laughs> no, no, they say, I, he'll tell me I sell 10 or 12 of these every day. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so this, and when did that process start where you say, we got to get a plan, let's build this do, and do the boundaries? And, uh, when did that ex- start? Five years ago. And in, during that time, we, well, Six, six years, years ago. ago. Okay. Uh, Got a prompter here. <laughs> no, no. Six. At, at, at a time, we uh, identified, we did some research, and we, um, the question was, how do you create a national conservation area? How do you yeah. um, create a national monument? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Yeah. And we designed a model. We came up with a model on how to do that. We were working really good with Senator Bennett. Just about then there was an election, and he lost to Mike Lee. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think about it. If uh, Senator Bennett was still in there, maybe we could have had something really good as Mm -hmm. far as working with the um, Utah leadership. Mm So after he lost, there was a period of uh, no action. And then all of a sudden, um, Bob uh, uh, Bishop, Rob, Kung, Rob, Rob Bishop, Bishop yeah. uh, came along with uh, Congressman Chaffetz. And they laid out plans as what we need to do on this uh, land planning process is have all of the stakeholders work with the county government. And one problem that we saw was we're not a stakeholder, Native Americans. And we told him that. But regardless of that, he says, you need to work with the county government, local mm-hmm. government. And then he also said the county government will have the final veto power. If they don't like your proposal, then they can veto. San Juan County. San Juan County government. <clears throat> so that was the, the rules. And we started meeting with San Juan County. And we didn't have very good meetings. Commissioner Phil Lyman was not a good person to work with. Mm-hmm. He was uh, not very proactive, you might say. We could go visit him in the jail right now if you'd like. Yeah, we should. He's here. He's. I think he's still in there today. Or he got his 10-day sentence. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. He formed a subcommittee yeah. in the county. He called it the San Juan County Lands Council. While he was putting together, planning to put that together... He was also planning the illegal ATV tour. Down recapture. Yeah, down recapture. So throughout the whole planning process, he was doing that, and eventually 
he had his illegal ATV thing, and then he was charged and he was convicted, and now he's in jail. Yeah. Well, I, you know, you said at the beginning of this part of the conversation, you know, we do, we're not stakeholders. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we are negotiating from the position of being a sovereign nation. Who does that matter to other than you? I mean, it should matter to somebody. There should be someone that you, and I mean when I say you, I mean the Navajo tribe. There should be someone you can turn to to say, this county government or this state government is not dealing with us in the in the in protocol they're not going by protocol that should be observed they should be treating us more like foreign dignitaries as opposed to just another person who you you throw the name on the pile and say we'll get to you who can you appeal to that is exactly what the navajos said stakeholder is an easy position to take for white people in San Juan County. they only been there for 130 years. In Navajo, we, we say that we're in the fourth world. We came out of the world. This is the fourth world. And we didn't come 130 years ago to this land. So that became an issue where... Um, where we became very divided with the county land council. On top of that, uh, Phil Lyman was working on his uh, illegal stuff. So from the beginning, it's, you might say that he poisoned the well. It was kind of hard to work with the county. It just seems to me there ought to be someone within the federal system you can go to and say, you... Somebody needs to go tell these com- commissioners who they're dealing with here. I mean, I'm a stakeholder. That's me. I'm just yes. a sta- I'm a stakeholder. I'd like to see it preserved. Just, I don't even know if I've, I'll ever go there. I probably will sometime because it looks beautiful. I'd like to go there and look at it and appreciate it and enjoy some of the just just hiking around in it a little bit or whatever. That's me. I'm a stakeholder. You- say. Um- Along that issue, when we finish, when I say we, Utah to Nebuchadnezzar, when we finish our our proposal, what we did was we handed our proposal off to the tribal governments, Navajo Nation government, Hopi government. They have the government-to-government relationship, and... We've also put together a proposal, Bears Ears proposal. In that proposal, we were very clear and to the point and make sure that the issue of not being a stakeholder mm-hmm. was included in there and mm-hmm. submitted to President Obama and to have Secretary of Interior, Jew, review that particular issue. 
Do you get the sense, uh, so you've had meetings in Washington. You've had meetings with some of these people. I don't know, President Obama himself, have you spoken to him at all? We have meetings with um, Sally Jewell, a number of her staff. Uh, I personally have not met with uh, President Obama. I only had pictures with him, uh, cardboard pictures in Washington, (laughs) D.C. He's standing next (laughs) next to a cutout. (laughs) Uh, But but you've met with some pretty high-up officials. Do you feel that they treat you... um, as something more than a stakeholder? Very respectful. And so far, we have not run into anybody that's been disrespectful dis, uh, in Washington. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's how they treat people in Washington. They're government people. Mm-hmm. So now we have, now we're at a point where uh to get the, the, probably the most the, the best way to get the land preserved for for my kids and, and certainly for you the, this you know the spiritual center of your I want to ask you a little bit more too about the coalition of the tribes let me ask you that first that's because that's kind of unprecedented isn't it where the Navajo, the Hopi, the Utes. Who else? Um, Zuni. Zuni. Mm-hmm. Several Pablos, you have to understand. That, and they all have ties to that area. Yes, they did, do. Did they, did they cross paths in that area over the, over the centuries, over the hundreds of years? Did they cross paths in those areas? Or? Well, most of those... Um, uh, runes, the ancient runes, date back to 600 A.D. And according to geologists and archaeologists, uh, the Hopis, the Pavlos, they're direct descendant to the Anasazi. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, they um, have strong ties. And Navajos believe the same thing. Mm-hmm. And also the... The Ute tribes. Um, Utes are scattered throughout Utah, and the ones in San Juan County are White Mesa Ute. Mm-hmm. So, so for all of those groups to come together to work on this, that's uh, I guess it's pretty unusual. You've not not been. I don't know. Have you been on unfriendly terms in the past? Okay, you have been. You, to say it honestly, you have not. You have not worked well with each other over the years. Traditionally, um, Navajos view the Utes as, you know, there's a dispute between the Palestinians and the Israelis. They're mm-hmm. like that for a long time. Yeah. But that has gone away. And since we started working on this project, Navajos and the other tribes had uh, joint um, ceremonies to ensure that the national monument or the land is protected to be enjoyed by everybody, not just the tribes, your grandkids and their grandkids. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the position that the tribes took. And they understand that it's a public land, public land, 
belongs to everybody yeah. in America. So now, who who owns the land now? I mean, really, is it all BLM land? Is it? Is it it's all being uh, managed by uh, Bureau of Land Management. So it's all it's all under federal control. Yes, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so now we're at a point where there seems to be some urgency. Uh, there's a feeling that we're coming down to the wire here. And uh, and you you can tell that because you're in town <laughs> for for some meetings and right. and uh, there there's just there's more talk of it in the yes. newspaper and the, on the radio and and you can really tell that we're coming down to the wire because now the spin begins and I'm hearing uh, Governor Herbert yesterday uh, say, well there are, there are plenty of Navajos who just don't want this to happen. They don't want a national monument there because they're going to be, they won't be allowed to go in there and collect wood. And they won't be allowed to go in there and fish if there's a national monument there. It'll just, it'll just lock that land up, you know, and the Navajos and the other tribes will be excluded. And is there any truth to that at all? You know, I'm very surprised to hear that from the governor. He is the leader of our state supposedly very, very educated and very wise person. For some reason, he has not read our Bears Ears proposal. I think he needs to sit down with his staff and dissect the proposal. Everything that he's saying is absolutely not true. And he needs to look at the PLI. PLI is disastrous. What's the, uh, the PLI? It's the proposal that's being proposed by uh, Congressman Bishop. Ah. Oh, the Public pa- Lands pa- Initiative. Public Lands Initiative. Yeah, his big idea of mm-hmm. what to do. It's nothing but mineral development. Mm-hmm. Baby drill, baby drill. Mm-hmm. So but there is a commissioner in San Juan County now who's Navajo. Yes. Uh, Benali. What's her first name? Rebecca. Rebecca Benali. She's spoken out in favor of the public lands initiative, I think. And she's saying, well, not all the Navajos really. Not all the people really want this Bears Ears monument. We think that she's just doing her job and doesn't really understand the issue. And for some reason, she's taken a position to (laughs) oppose everything that benefits the the people on the Navajo Reservation. I can't speak for her. It's just very disappointing to see her taking that position. You, as one of the uh, uh, initiators and the founders of of getting this initiative going, the... uh, 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 Bears Ears National Monument and drawing the boundaries. You, you must be able to point to any number of surveys and studies and things that show that the majority of the Navajo people and other tribes in the area would be in favor of this. To my knowledge, um, everybody, different tribes, different uh, Navajo groups, 
I'd say 99% of the people support that. And the people that Rebecca Benali talks about is something like 50 people. It's a family from Anath, Utah. And this, it's two families. One are Christians and the other is Native American church. And there's another group. They're... Um, traditional so that's the people that she's referring to just that group of people that opposes it for what any idea why they would oppose it the only thing that i can think about is the utah navajo trust fund um most of those people are from anath and that's where all the gas oil and gas activities are Mm. and in 1933 congress uh, created a trust fund and for the people living in Anath. And in 1968, Congress amended that law where all of the Utah people, all of the Utah Navajos would benefit from the trust fund. And they're very upset about that. And that's probably the only reason why they're opposed to this uh, Bears Ears uh, initiative. Um, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but do you have a good feeling about where it is right now? About? About the possibility that it will get done? Well, um, I'm a very positive person, a former bronc rider, boxer. Boxer? You know, <laughs> really? You go into any uh, position to win, and I think we will prevail. Uh, the good sign that I saw was the media put out by Sally Jewell, Secretary of Interior, yesterday saying that she will come out and visit the area. I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's going to happen during Obama's administration or during Hillary's administration. <laughs> There's a bold political prediction for you that the next president will be Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't, you know, is, it, it, so, it, so let's just say that President Obama comes and, you know, sets up a, 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 a temporary stand, a, a speaking lectern in Montezuma Creek or Blanding or, and says, I'm here today to declare this a national monument. This is the Bears Ears National Monument. And, uh, and my guess is you would be sitting on the stage uh, with some other uh, dignitaries, uh, representatives of the Navajo Nation, and there would be Zuni and Hopi and Ute tribal members there, and the uh, Utah um, delegation, uh, the governor would stay away. Um, he might make Spencer Cox go, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Rob Bishop wouldn't be there. Um, neither would Jason Chaffetz, but, and it would be it would happen. And there now we have the Bears Ears National Monument, and everybody applauds and shakes hands. And there's photo opportunities, and they take down the temporary stand, the lectern, and everybody goes away. What does this? It's a victory, and. Um, does it do anything to hurt 
I guess not much can be done to hurt. I mean, to 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 relations between um, native people and and the and the government and it's probably going to hurt more the Utah government and the federal government. They're going to they're going to yell at the federal government, not so much at the native people. But will it, will it be a good time, a healing time, or will it be a hard time after that happens? Well, let me just put it this way: you probably have a better relationship with the governor, Senator Hatch. You see them every day down there. Uh, we never see them. The only time we see them is in the newspaper or just foreign people. They might as well be Putin. Uh, so whether we win or lose, uh, it just doesn't matter. The main thing to us is the land will be protected. And during that big event, I will probably be in the crowd somewhere in our tradition the elected leaders, the leaders are the ones that sit, stand or sit up on the stage. Uh, so, uh, we'll, I'll, uh, you would res- be in the I'll crowd. respect that. You would be process. in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, when this is, this, this will be over at some point. And yes. It, it will be accomplished. Um, then what's next for, for, uh, Mark Maraboy? What do you, what do you do? What's the next big issue you have to work on? Well, let me go back to uh, the land. It's already public land. It's already uh, protected by the government. So the only thing is it'll be a national monument, and nobody will go in there for oil and gas operation. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, What will be the next uh, thing for Mark Murray Boy? I like working on projects. So what I like to do is continue to work with uh, conservation groups um, across the nation and see if I can be helpful in helping various organizations protect Mother Earth. It's Earth Day. Uh, well, so we're recording this on the 21st. I think it's Earth Day tomorrow, mm-hmm. April 22nd. Um, to help protect Mother Earth... All, all over. I mean, it's not just here, but the, the fight happens. Um, climate change and um, and all of that has become a pretty big, big thing in your life. Then, well, in Navajo, we say, "Thank you, Mother Earth, for protecting us. Thank you for being here for us." and you know, here on earth is heaven for us. When you die, you don't go to some city of gold. You go back to, you become a part of uh, Mother Earth. You, you become the element. Your spirit becomes the sunlight, the rain, the wind. So on Mother Earth, we, we say thank you, Shema, Mama. I don't think there could be a better place to end it probably um it's been a pleasure mark mariboy um people want to know more about the bear's ears and where where are some of the good places they can go they could read uh, your book well they can uh, go to our website um bears ears protection.org 
It's, if you want to hear, if you want to say it, just say it. Doesn't matter. ProtectBearsEars.org. Okay. Thank you for that correction. ProtectBearsEars.org. And I would also ask the people in the state of Utah, the surrounding states, to come and attend the meeting, the legislative session that the governor has called for on May 18th. I believe that's the day when he wants the state legislature to pass a legislation against Bears Ears uh, designation for national monument. Mm. So he's, which would be just a symbolic gesture. If if President Obama wants to declare a national monument, he can use the Antiquities Act and do it no matter what the state says. Well, that's the uh, the law, mm-hmm. and I don't think the state or any state has the authority to storm arm the President of the United States to. Um, enforce the Antiquities Act. Um, again, thank you so much for being with us. Um, and would you mind just saying that again of the part about Mother Earth? I really like that. Thanks very much, Mark Merriboy. Oh. And now here's a short interview I recorded with a Navajo medicine man. His name is Jonah Yellowman. We recorded this interview a few weeks ago at uh, the Moab Brewery down in Moab. And um, <laughs> Jonah's an interesting guy. He's kind of a slow talker, uh, but uh, I think you'll find what he has to say very interesting. And he has some great stories to tell about the spiritual side of the Bears Ears. Remember, if you want to know more about the Bears Ears, if you would like to do uh, anything w- with the Bears Ears, uh, go to www.protectbearsears.org. Remember, I used to have a big, deep voice. <laughs> yeah, when did you lose it? Uh, after I went to the hospital. What, why did you clear my throat, I guess? And my voice changed after I came back from the hospital. You had to go to the hospital? It was uh, after my experience with being, uh, I was given this uh, this name as a spiritual advisor. You were given the, you were given a name as a spiritual advisor? Yeah, and uh, spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned from that. That name, somehow, you know, I I went through different procedures. I my voice was getting deeper and deeper, and somehow, you know, I started getting weaker too. But I couldn't sleep. I ended up in the hospital, and what I experienced over there is very, very amazing. What I saw, what this talking about this land. How this land is, the whole world, how spiritual it is, and how holy it is. We're talking about the bears' ears. Yes, the whole the land itself. Not that, not just the, not just the bears' ears. The whole sacred land that we lived on. Mm-hmm. How this water is. Mm-hmm. How these mountains came about, and 
what it means, the four sacred mountains and all the mountains and the buttes that surround there, and uh, and all the uh, the uh, the offering they do, mm-hmm. the prayers they do. Why is it that? How is it holy? Why we, as uh, my elders, how they how they use it, how they look at it, and mm-hmm. how they see it. It showed me all that, you know. When through. when were you? When was this? When were you in the hospital? Uh, I think it was almost like uh, last a- last April. Mm-hmm. You had kind Quite of a, a year now. You had kind of a vision. Yeah, it's like a vision. Like people, they go to a hospital and they they get uh, all kinds of medication and they go through this. When I came out, I was telling stories and <laughs> even the doctors were so amazed. You know, I said, you know, you as a doctor, I seen what you were doing, how you were teaching these people. Mm. And he said, what am I doing? He says, all these nurses and the doctors, these 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 people here. You, that's your students, aren't they? He said, how did you know that? He said, I've seen that. Mm. He mm-hmm. said, I saw it. Mm. He said, that's true. Jonah, jo- Anyways, yeah. You're Jonah Yellowman, our guest uh, on the show, that's, uh, he's talking about a vision he had about, about not just the bear's ears, which people are starting. It's funny, you know, I live in Utah all my life. And I never even heard of the bear's ears until a year ago, oh, two years right. ago. You know, I know I heard of I heard of uh, Mesa Verde. I heard of you know Canyonlands, and I heard of Delicate Arch, and I've heard of the you know I heard of the Grand Canyon. I heard of you know all of these other places. Never even heard of the bear's ears, and it's a place you you kind of grew up all you knew about it all your life. Yeah, we uh, see. We we live right close to it. Where I live, there's no hardly no trees. There's uh, so the closest place we get our wood, firewood, mm-hmm. is up there and Bears Ears area. And so mm-hmm. we we've been using that land. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like every week we're out there. Yeah. You live in Monument Valley? Yeah, Monument Valley and close to, between Monument Valley and Mexican Hat. Yeah. Oh, I know Mexican Hat. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So. So it's and now all of a sudden we hear about bears ears in the news. Um, and then I we we see pictures of it and my god it's one of the most beautiful most beautiful places I've ever seen. Beautiful place. Yeah, it is. It is. What it's um, it's it's a beautiful place, and it's a place that your people, that Navajo and, but not just Navajo, other uh, Native people, have you have been in and used for thousands of years. Right? Yeah, um, we have uh, Hogan structures still sitting up there, sweat lodges and. Where people used to uh, gather their food and like uh, use it for throughout the winter, mm-hmm. you know they store storage up there. Mm-hmm. 
And there's places where other tribes have roamed through there, mm-hmm. made their their markings there, and use it, you know, and for certain for certain reasons. And uh, our where the way we are, you know, the way we the way we see things, you know, when we go outside in the morning and we do our our morning prayers. We talk to Mother Earth. We always say Mother Earth, Father Sky, the color of our skin, you know, the color of Mother Earth, mm-hmm. the color of our hair, color of the dark dark sky out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. We talk to that. Then we, after we say that, that that Mother Earth and Father Sky, we always go to to the holy holy sacred mountains. And all the mountains that's in between there, all the mountains that's outside, we 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 look at it as our home, you know. And then we go to the water. That's how we do that. Yeah. And we've been using that, you know, we, you know through, through our prayers. So. And it's a, you. It's a connection. Uh, um, you. I mean, it's your. It's your, your. Long before us white skinned people were here. Your people were here, and the, you you can still see the see them there. Your ancestors. Yeah, we. There's a, you know, we, we were taught a mm, lot of uh, in different ways. We go by our stories, you know. They they tell us, you know, watch where you walk, watch where you put your feet, feet you know. There be something out there. And uh, don't step on that. Don't step on these ant hills, you know. Don't step on these uh, spiders mm. where they live. Don't step on some of these plants that's out there. And look where you walk, you know. There should be some valuable stones out there, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Be, be careful. And plants, all kinds of plants, animals out there, you know, different types. Some of them are. Tame, mm-hmm. or some of them are wild, and birds, different things out there. They they tell us, you know. So we had to, we had to, just by our, just by being raised, you know. Mm-hmm. Even us were brought into this world very sacred, and something happens to something, you know. We try to take care of it, nature, or. Our elders the same way, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them are being put back, you know, in different places. And we found out that uh, they've been uh, they've been ducked out, ducked out, or been uh, grave robbing stuff. That's the reason why we 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 say, hey, you know, we can't be doing this, you know. Well, you go to you go to places where there are. Um uh, drawings on the on the cliffs, and then you see that maybe somebody has come along and r- r- written something or scratched it up. Yeah, that's that's what you're talking about. Yeah, those kind of things too. Yeah. You know, and some of those uh, potteries, we usually leave some of those. You know, even just a chip, we leave them behind. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's you know that's yeah there for a reason. Yeah. And marketing on these rocks, you know, there's 
there's a trail, a story, a something, you know, that that's, that tells you things. And people, they go out there and they chip at it, and they put their names on there, and maybe there was a good story, and then they, maybe there might be a bad story too, you know. And yeah. you put your name on there, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, it, I mean, it's like how would you feel if somebody went to the cemetery where there are headstones and... and there's the name of your mother. Today's today is my. As a matter of fact, today is my mother's birthday, and she died uh, about like three years ago. And how would I feel if somebody went to the cemetery, and there's her name, and then they just decide, well, I'm going to write my mother's name on there, or I would, yeah, yeah, I would just very, be awful, very disrespectful, yeah. you know. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know who you are. Have that self-esteem, have that self-respect for yourself. Mm. That way you respect others, you know. That's what, that's that's the way we always think about. And if people does that, you know, it seems like it's ruining a lot of things. And we want us, you know, to, to, to be, to be, we're still here. We want people to know that we're still here. You, you. You are, and you were here before we were here. <laughs> Let me, General, can I ask you, you, you know, when you were growing up, a uh, little kid, um, and you grew up in Monument Valley and Four Corners area, and you, your <coughs> Navajo people, they don't have written history. Um, I mean, there is, on the walls, there is some written history that you can kind of get a sense of people that were here before but you have a history through stories right that's how your history is yeah. passed down what kind of stories were you told give me some stories that you were told when you were a little little boy growing up that you remember yeah um it uh, when you go and learn stories, you usually you go by your clan, mm. your grassroots. Every clan has their stories. What clan were you? I'm a, I'm a, I'll say the Navajo. Kahinani, the natural chin inch. Kilachin, it was a chin, Kahinani, Whoever that's listening out there, has a, you cannot. Uh, well, hey, I don't know what in, in you Navajo, said. I don't know what you said. English, it great. <laughs> it's a. I guess you say mini arrow, bitter water. Mini arrow, bitter water. Yeah, that's a, that's my plan. And what? And can I ask you? Does, is there what? Are, what does Yellow Man come from? That's an English name. That's just an English name that right. was given to you. Right. When I went to school, you. They ask you, you know, my my mm-hmm. my mom and dad never talked English. They never wrote it. I mean, they never learned to read and write. I so, see. So it's just, you, oh, you'll be yellow, man. So, oh, that's um, well, the history, I guess my dad and mom was asked, you know, where, what, how, or who are you related to, like, and... He's a uh, like he. There's a uh, there. He's related to this 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 yellow person over here. You know, kind of mm. like a, a, a real light complexion. Uh-huh. Okay. 
So that's how he's he's a a, a nephew or to somebody. Okay. That yellow man. Okay. That person. That's that how my name came about. Okay. Mm-hmm. And some of their names were like Benali. Mm-hmm. They're the grandson. Benale. Benale means a, on the father's side, oh. grandson. Oh. So instead of saying Benale, they just wrote it Benali. Okay. You know, like right. that. Gotcha. Different, different wording like this. What did your, so what did your parents call you? My, I have my own Indian name, too. It's very sacred. You can't, so you I don't. Can't say it. You don't say it. Okay. Only in through my ceremonials. Got, okay. That's All the right. way we are. Okay. My English name is my name is Jonah, Jonah. Yellowman. Okay. So. All right. So everybody knows me by that. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's but that's a, I think that's wonderful to know that you have. You have your name and it is sacred to you and to and you use it only, in ceremonial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. anyway, your clan is. Bitter water. Bitter water. Okay. So stories. I'm sorry that, I get sidetracked. Stories. Through that, through that, you know, Bitterwater, that Bitterwater clan has four or three other more. There's four to make one clan. Either you're going to be a Bitterwater or you might be uh, another, uh, like on a deer, deer site. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one and another one. Mm-hmm. So every... Every clan is given something, has a mission or some kind of a word, some kind of a color, and some kind of a cane that they use. So that's how. The, so, so that that four group has all kinds of history behind it. Mm-hmm. So, like me, my 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 uh, clan, they were walking. And they, 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 they drink a little bit of water, and then he said, this water is bitter. So then the holy people said, you're, you're going to be called bitter water. You're going to be like a medicine man. You're going to teach. You're going to have the knowledge. You're going to have that. In that way, mm-hmm. you're going to be in that kind of a person. Then another one, another one might be Kachitni. We another clan, mm-hmm. way different. Kachitni. And what is that? You know, when the corn grows, when the when it turns ripe, that that kind of like a, a reddish, purplish. Mm-hmm. That when it, that top, like the silk part. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Kachitni. You know, mm-hmm. the reddish color up up here. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your clan. That kind. Then it has to go with the corn. All that vegetable sight mm-hmm. and all the stories with the corn. It's like that. So that's how you are. So your, your clan was, you have stories of medicine and. Right. And, 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 and healing and. Yeah. Then, my my father's the Red House, Red House Clan. Red House. Yeah, I'm born for the Red House Clan. Hmm. So on that side, there's four more that has all that stories behind it. And then my mother's father's has another one. 
and that had four, and all that. And then my father's father had another one. So all that is put together make you, you. So all that knowledge that's is given to that, it, it makes you. Do so you, that's where you learn from it. Do, and do you learn? Do you try to learn all of that and remember all of that? And I'm, I try. You try. Yes, yeah. that's a lot of teaching. Yeah. yeah. So I just know a little bit, maybe that much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's what they tell you. Yeah. You will never learn all of it through your lifetime. You keep trying. Right. Keep trying. So that's the way our our clan system is. Let's talk about. Um, uh, this the, and that's a that's Navajo, and right. our our other tribes and as and I don't know you can't speak for other tribes but you know people from other tribes and particularly you're now the Navajo they're working with the Hopi and uh, who who else are they working with Tim is here Zuni. Tim Peterson Zuni who else uh, Utes Haploid Utes yeah uh-huh. so you guys are all starting to work together which is pretty. Unusual, yeah. yeah. You you guys have been kind of not all that friendly for a, a lot of years, and you've been you're working together because all, this Bears Ears area is sacred to all of you. Um, do do all is that uh, other tribes? Do they have sort of pass knowledge this kind of the same way? Do you know? Um. Or, I don't really know. You don't know. I don't want to say. You know, I might. I might say. It, you know. Do you Do you have any idea, Tim? You don't know. Tim is Tim uh, Peterson is here. He's with the. Uh, want to get it right? Grand Canyon Trust, who is kind of uh, helping out this whole effort, uh, supporting the effort uh, for Bears Ears. Was that Would that be correct to say that? Yes, exactly. Supporting yeah. the tribes um, in their in their efforts on Bears Ears. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, so uh, at any rate, that's that's neither here nor there. Talk about this um, uh, this this unprecedented coming together of all of these tribes uh, to get Bears Ears designated as a national monument, which would protect it, protect it for you, uh, the the native American people, but also protect it for me. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it p- preserve it for me, so I could go. I could go there with your permission, and uh, with the with the tribe's permission, and I could see it, and and it would be preserved for for my knowledge as well. Um, yeah, it's very to me. It's very educational. Before that, you know, mm-hmm. I just never really thought about. It. You know, I just kind of learn every day. You know, from. But when that, when they start putting that uh, bear's ears and they start talking about bear's ears and putting uh, different tribes together, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of study their way of looking at it, their understanding, and seems like what we know from us, you know, Mm-hmm. Then what they know from their side seems like there's this one here. What, what do we do with this one here? Then the other tribe, no, hey, mm-hmm. they use that one. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it's like that. So the way I look at it, 
every every uh, that different coalition that that came in, mm-hmm. they're very like they're very sacred kind of a person. They're very highly recognized in their own from their tribe. They, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're standing together like that. Mm-hmm. They're appointed through the Holy Spirit. You know, I think the Holy the Holy Spirit is the one that picked them to to put them in, in there. So they all coming together with it, and to see. You know, there's a lot of things that's educational right there. Is it exciting? It is exciting. Have you? Is this the first time you've kind of? Uh, you know, I assume you've met some people from other tribes now where you you really haven't in the past. I never really sat down and talked with them, you know, until just just the last little while. Yeah, and and uh, like I said, you know, it's very amazing the way the way I see it and how they go about their culture, the stories. It, uh, it, it wasn't that important like in before, you know, until mm-hmm. all this came up and what it showed me through my, when I went to the hospital, it's, it's, it's nothing to play around with. This is something very serious, you know. Talk about that vision a, a little bit more that from the hospital. And, uh, well, what I saw, you know, what, you know, briefly, you know, what it shows me is uh, talking about, talking about this land. It's not just that little piece of, that little dot, you know. If you sit it, set the world out there, it's just, just a real speck, you know. You can't hardly see it. You mean the bear's ears? Yes. It's one, how many, how much acreage is it actually, Tim? <coughs> Uh, about 1.9 million acres. That sounds like a lot, but 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 you're exactly right, Jonah. It's just a speck in yeah, the world. Yeah, you put that world out there. Yeah. And then it showed me. Then when you go closer to it, if you look at that, you know, it's just water. It's just water around it. Mm. Then the, the land sits on top of it. It's how holy that is, you know. Mm. It showed me that. It's like a teardrop, you know. Somebody really, a holy person, you know, had that feeling for a human and made that teardrop and made that land for us to live on. To take care of it, you know. Look after it. Make it last for a long time. Not just for a few years. Why are we in a hurry? You know, end of the world is coming. (laughs) <laughs> Why? You know, this is a beautiful place. Take, let's just take, take care of it. That's the way it showed me, you know. And I think it showed me. I said, okay, if you're really the person, show me something. That When I came back two weeks later, a tornado came by where we live and even though how far I was, way out there in the sun, the tornado was way out there. It sprinkled water on me, and I, and I, and I felt that. Me and my daughter were standing there. My daughter said, "Dad, you know, there's no sky, there's no clouds over here," <laughs> and we felt that water 
sprinkle on us and say, yeah, you sure did? And it got green from there. The whole place got green throughout the season last mm. year. And it showed me, you know, this is nothing that you play around with. This is something that, this is, we got to take care of this land. We got to, nothing like that, nowhere. It's never been disturbed. It's never been digged at it or drilled or anything like that. You know? We want to keep it like that. So that's what I that's that's what I'm after too. And through that, you know, I I I, I seen a lot of special people, special tribes. I've seen that. It made me see that. So if it if it's for that, you know. I'm willing to talk for it for that very dear. Um, That's what I want. <clears throat> you know, um, I, w- I, I, I wish people could see your face when you talk about that because um, y- y- there, because there are people like you on the earth, there is hope. Um, you know, Someday some of the rest of us may be gone, but I believe that you will, not you specifically perhaps, but the people, Dene? Dene. Dene. They will always be. They'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's highly likely. We may be gone, but Dene will be here still kind of watching out for stuff. So yeah, it's, you know, we, when we say it in that too, it's all people. That's why we, we say it too, the net. Not, not just, I not mean, it's just, all the people. Yes. It's all the people. Yes. Me too? Yes. The net. You are the net too. Huh. The um, If you say the net, you know, that, that tribe, that, that nationality, the net. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask Tim a couple of questions uh, about what people can do. And if you get real close to the mic, Tim, uh, Tim Peterson uh, is uh, what a program manager for the Grand Canyon Trust. Uh, you, I assume you do lots of other things. The Grand Canyon Trust does lots of other things besides uh, working on uh, Bears Ears National Monument because it's called the Grand Canyon Trust. Uh, and I'd like to talk to you more about that some other time because because sure. I love the Grand Canyon. Uh, but uh, what do people need to do to help ensure that uh, Bears Ears gets the respect and gets turned into a national monument? Well, what they can do is stand behind the tribes in their request of President Obama to designate a national monument for Bears Ears under the Antiquities Act. And they can visit protectbearsears.org, and there they can learn more about the Intertribal Coalition's proposal, and they can sign a petition to the president to see that this place is protected. Protectbearsears.org. Oh, and by the way, it's called Bears Ears, I guess. We never really talk about that, but I guess as you look at the, from a distance, if you look at the mountain peaks, there are two peaks that kind of look like uh, the, a bear's ears sticking up into yeah. the air, yeah. Um, and if it's a protected as a national monument, I mean, I'm right. It protects it for 
Well, it protects it for Diné, for all of the people, exactly. not just the tribes, but... But then, if you if if you if you want to go see it, and you can go you can go respectfully, you will be able to go look at some of the beautiful antiquities that are there. Um, and I, I've I had the opportunity to see a little bit of film footage of the area, and I, my goodness, it's just stunning. Not just not just the the cliff dwellings and things that are there, just the just the landscape, just the just it's beautiful. It's really, it's a really diverse place, yeah. and there's really no place else on Earth like it. It has volcanic peaks in the Abajos. It has forested plateaus, a ponderosa pine. There are twisting canyons uh, all the way down to Cedar Mesa, the San Juan River. It's a, it's a place that really embodies what a national monument could be, mm-hmm. stretching from Canyonlands all the way down to the San Juan. And there's an opportunity here, not necessarily from the, the, the from the, a conservation perspective, to protect an entire ecosystem, all the way from the top of the 11,000 foot peaks down to the Colorado River at, at mm-hmm. about 3,500 feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really want to thank both of you for coming by. Um, Pleasure to meet you, Jonah. Thank um, you. Same here. And um, and a pleasure to meet you, Tim. And thanks so much. And have we covered it all. I think we 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 got it. We got it. Anything else you'd like to add? Hmm? No. Looks like we got it. I want to thank the uh, folks here at the Moab Brewery, which uh, amazingly is located in Moab. They, uh, I think it was great that they, they, they located it. You know, they, they said, we've got this place, Moab Brewery. Why don't we build it in Moab? And they did. Uh, we had a little beer. We had a little, uh, I had a little beer. I had some French fries. Uh, Jonah had some water, and Tim had some coffee, and we're set to go. There are great hosts here, uh, the Moab Brewery in Moab. I should have said that earlier where we're recording this uh, episode of the Let's Go Eat show. Uh, thank you to uh, uh, Jordan De La Cruz is here helping me produce the show today. And uh, that's about it. Uh, Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double.